Well, here we are in Luke's Gospel, looking at the life of this remarkable uh, person, Jesus Christ, um, continuing in the exploits of Jesus Christ in Capernaum, following his rejection in Nazareth. Remember the words of the congregation that morning in the, uh, the synagogue service. We could call it the, the chapel service. It was a synagogue, but it was a gathering of the Lord's uh, people. It's the Old Testament still era overseeing things. It's coming to an end, that transition time. It's a gathering of the church in the hometown of Jesus Christ, Nazareth. And the people say to him, What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do it here in your hometown as well. And uh, they become angry with him, they reject him, they push him out of the synagogue, take him up on a a cliff and they would have thrown him off it. But it wasn't the time, wasn't the place he walked through the midst of them. But following on from that, uh, Luke is inspired to uh, fill us in with what had been going down, down in Capernaum, and it really was down in Capernaum. Capernaum's in quite a, a depression, uh, maybe 500 feet below sea level, and Nazareth quite a way above sea level. So it was down in Capernaum. And last time we looked at the uh, doings of Jesus Christ in Capernaum, uh, we looked at verses 31 to 37, where he casts out a demon from a man who's in the synagogue that particular morning. And we saw a display of what we could call the the cosmic power of the Lord Jesus Christ. His uh, universal cosmic power. His power over demons. And demons are fallen angels. They're part of Satan's cohort. Satan, a fallen archangel. And uh, Satan and a third of the legions of the angels of heaven were cast onto earth with him when they rebelled uh, in heaven. And their judgment is certain and final. But here through Jesus Christ, Satan's power is being broken. As a picture of that, a demon is cast out of the man in the synagogue that morning. Uh, We sang that great hymn of uh, Wesley's Jesus, the name High over all, in hell, or earth, or sky, angels and men before it fall, and devils fear and fly. Oh, the the cosmic power of Jesus Christ. His power is infinite and unlimited and displayed in so many ways. The display there in the synagogue of his cosmic power was public and it was dramatic, such that the people say at the conclusion of the service, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region and they even reached his hometown of Nazareth. And so the people said, do it here. Do it here uh, as well. So, Verses 31 to 37. Cosmic power, public and dramatic. But now we come to this next section. And the first point I would have from verses 38 and 39 is that going from the public and dramatic, now Jesus does something gentle and personal. Gentle 
and personal. Public and powerful, now gentle and personal. And that wonderful, wonderful tension in this uh, wonderful, wonderful person, Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of hosts. He's the commander of the armies of God. Angels, archangels, cherubim, seraphim, uh, willing men here on planet earth. All the cosmos under his sway. He's the Lord of hosts. But the Bible says he's the God of Jacob. Gods over cosmic powers, demons. But he's also concerned for Peter's mother-in-law in this little section. And he's concerned very much, not about the masses, yes, the masses, but you watching at home, take it personally, me here in the pulpit, you there in the pews, who are you? You are signally loved by the Lord Jesus Christ. He is intimately interested in you and me as individuals. And we learn here that after the morning service, he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever. Just a little note in passing. Peter who some say went on to a big city in Europe and uh, became quite a notable figure there. And uh, ever since then, uh, this particular denomination uh, have said that uh, their ministers should not get married. It's interesting that Peter was married. (laughs) It's undeniable. It's abundantly clear I just mentioned that in in passing. I don't want to make anything major out of it, but it's worth noting that Peter had a mother-in-law, and to have a mother-in-law, he must have had a wife. Uh, So he was a married man. Isn't that interesting? And yet used mightily of the Lord Jesus Christ to uh, to spread uh, the gospel. So uh, let's think about Peter's mother-in-law. She didn't go to church that morning. Uh, because she wasn't feeling well. She had a fever. And in fact, we're told she had a high fever. I looked up a high fever, 38 degrees centigrade, uh, 100 degrees Fahrenheit. I was brought up in Fahrenheit. You probably, children, don't know what a Fahrenheit is. But um, 100, yes, you're feeling unwell. 38, you're feeling unwell. Normal body temperature, 36 point something. It depends on who you, uh, you speak to. But at 38... This is, a, this is a fever. And so she stayed at home. She's feeling pretty lousy. When you have a fever, you don't feel uh, well. Uh, you don't feel like eating. You don't have a, an appetite. Uh, maybe there are the aches and, and the pains as well. Uh, and Jesus comes in from the morning service. And what a service it has been. He's preached the word of God and uh, the demon has been cast out of the man. Uh, the, the people there, the congregation, are awestruck and uh, spread the news about his wonderful work. So, this is the point I really want to make here. Something wonderful happened in the synagogue service that morning. But the wonderful works continued after that synagogue service. And they continued in the home 
of Peter. And, and I, it struck me very powerfully, and I want to impress this on you, and I want to put it reverently, but Jesus does not clock off at 11.30. Okay? He doesn't clock off at 11.30. He's speaking to us now, and then there's a very sensitive period following every time that he speaks where we need to be very careful what we're doing. Don't crowd out the word of God. In the parable of the sower, Jesus speaks, the sower is sowing, and uh, the birds of the air come and they take it away and the cares of of, of this life can, can distract. But after the morning service, after the evening service, I'm imagining here it's a morning service, Uh, He's done amazing things, but they're going to continue at the house of Peter. And when we have coffee after the morning service, that's a very important time. It's not just just a nicety that we go through, it's to facilitate that bedding in of the Word of God. It's wonderful to hear from, particularly you with, with children, about conversations that take place over the meal table. And uh, fathers and mothers, maybe you could ask a question about the morning service. It might be the children's message about the great victory of Jesus on Calvary. But questions that children ask and answers uh, that come back. And Jesus continuing to work after the morning service. But Jesus comes into uh, Simon Peter's house and There's his mother-in-law with a high fever. And they tell Jesus about her. They make an appeal to him on her behalf. Can you help Peter's mother-in-law? And he stood over her. And he rebuked the fever. And it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. How wonderful She got up. Now, if you've got a fever, maybe it's a a cold, a bad cold, a heavy cold. Uh, Men can call it flu all too quickly. If you get flu, you know, well, you know you have it. But uh, generally, it's it's a cold on a certain level. But... um, or maybe we men get flu regularly, I, I, I don't know. But anyway, it's, it's, it's generally a, a cold and it takes a while to, to shake off the effects of it. But at the word of Jesus, immediately she gets up and starts doing what she'd intended to do. Maybe the intention was while uh, Jesus is in the synagogue and Peter's there and the disciples, then uh, Peter's mother-in-law said, well, I'll get the meal ready they come back they're expecting the meal and nothing's there no smell of cooking now when i get home you're listening jill when i get home there'll be that smell of the roast chicken is it roast chicken today maybe you can send a message to nick i don't know um or it'll be the the beef or it'll be the the pork and the potatoes and the mange too and the peas from the garden pick fresh uh, this morning and uh, it, it'll but if i get home and there's no smell of cooking Something is wrong. Something is wrong. Something was wrong uh, here. She wasn't about her work, but a word from Jesus and immediately, and she's, oh, no, I, I, I want to get back to work. Uh, sit down. Let, let me get the meal uh, prepared. And she's up 
and she's actively serving. Now, let me make an application here. I hope you do understand as Christians that spiritually, we can catch a cold, right? It's part of the Christian experience. You can catch a spiritual cold. You understand we get physical colds and you know the symptoms, headache, loss of appetite, lethargy, I want to lie down, I need to rest, I can't get up and go uh, to work. We understand that and we know the remedies. Uh, Maybe we, um, well, rest is a good remedy. And um, paracetamol can uh, relieve you of uh, the symptoms. But spiritually, we, we can forget. Now, if you get a cold, a physical cold, you don't think, I'm about to die. Well, men might, but ladies, you you know, you're a bit stronger than that. But uh, I'm about to die. You don't think that. If you catch a spiritual cold, then the symptoms will be a lack of hunger. Don't feel like reading my Bible. Don't feel like saying my prayers. Lethargy spiritually. Oh, you go today. I'll I'll stay at home. Um, Well... Now, it's getting a bit, a bit late, so we won't... But it's this lethargy. What? It's a spiritual cold. There is this virus called sin. Now, it's eradicated by Jesus Christ. We go to him, there's that great cleansing from the blood that flowed on Calvary. But the expression of the old man's still around. And uh, the I, me, and mine hangs around. And sometimes it can, it can flare up and there's a lethargy, a lack of hunger. There's an inactivity. And we're at home rather than where we should be. What's the remedy? I tell you, the remedy is a word from Jesus Christ. You need to get back under the word of God. And wonderfully, he can intervene. I'm going to finish with this hymn. Uh, Give me a sight, O Saviour, of thy wondrous love to me, of the love that brought thee down to earth to die on Calvary. Was it the nails, O Saviour, that bound thee to the tree? Hey, t'was thine everlasting love, thy love for me, for me. O wonder of all wonders, that through thy death for me, here's the gospel, it's through the death of Jesus Christ, that my open sins... Now, you know some things I get wrong, don't you? You'll say, oh, I didn't agree with that, that the pastor did. They're forgiven. My secret sins are things that I do you haven't got a clue about. And it's good you haven't got a clue about. But he knows. They're forgiven too. My open sins, my secret sins, can all forgiven be. Oh, make me understand it. Help me to take it in. I'm a bit dull today. I'm lethargic. I'm sleepy. Think about that tonight as well, that we're asleep. Sleepy Christians, can it be? What it meant to thee, the Holy One, to bear away my sin. And when I understand it, then I can get up and I'm active again. I'm back reading my Bible and uh, saying my prayers. I love to be at the meetings. Then melt my heart, O Saviour. Bend me, yes, break me down until I own thee, conqueror and Lord, and sovereign crown. Oh, a word from him. Restored Peter's mother-in-law to physical activity from the physical fever. And a word from him. And it's instantaneous as well. It's not a process. 
You know, he speaks and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. And sleepers, sleeping Christians will suddenly waken up. Oh, what can I do? What can I do? Read your Bible, see your prayers. Let's, let's start there. Read your Bible, see your prayers and seek him through the word. There's a first point then, uh, this um, gentle and personal. Then the next section, just briefly some comments on it. It's a wonderful section. Call it the, the general practitioner. The general practitioner. If you're unwell, you can make um, an appointment with your GP. And it's called a GP because they're the letters for general practitioner. And general means general, and practitioner means practitioner. So he practices generally on people's ailments. He's a jack of all trades, is the GP. He knows a bit about everything, and uh, he's well-trained, and the older he is, the more experience perhaps he has. And you come in, you sit down, tell me your symptoms, and uh, you speak to him, and uh, he'll... Uh, say, well, take two paracetamol and uh, have a rest. And they say, oh, thank you, doctor. And uh, off you go. What a, what a great GP. But he can be more serious and he'll take some time. And if he's a little bit stumped, he's got an idea, he'll send you off to a specialist. There are some guys who, uh, they've lost the term doctor, they become misters. They're so posh and so, so great in their expertise medically. They're now misters, and there's an inverse snobbery in, in the medical profession. I'm not a doctor. Don't call me doctor. I am mister. Oh, sorry. But they're consultants, and they play a lot of golf, and they uh, do this and that. And then they, they, they come in, and uh, they've got lots of people under them. And uh, you're going to see Mr. So-and-so, this consultant. You don't see him. You see this person. But uh, they all funnel back to Mr. So-and-so. And uh, he's a specialist in a particular area i've got one who's looking after this this eye here something happened about four or five years ago and every year i go and see mr al albamani and he's so reassuring he's a great and he's got little guys there and he said come and have a look at this gentleman's eye Ooh, look at that and uh, he says look at this area now and he, he's a he's a he's a consultant but if I had a problem with my liver or my kidney, he wouldn't have a clue because he's so specialised now. He's just an eye man. He knows a lot about a little. He's a consultant. The general practitioner knows a little about a lot. But Jesus Christ is a GP consultant in every area. He knows everything about you to the greatest depth. And so we have this wonderful scene. It's now the Sabbath evening. Let's say it's Sunday evening here. Now, when the sun was setting, and that's significant, all those who had any who were sick of various diseases, see anything and everything, uh, they brought them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Isn't this wonderful? He's a, he's a great physician. He knows everything to the greatest depth. His name is Jesus. And it's when the Sabbath was over that people generally come out of the woodwork. You see, there was a religious danger 
about going to Jesus Christ while it was still the Sabbath. But when the sun was set, no religious dangers or scruples, uh, they come to him. Let me flag up this again. Religion, pure, only, dead religion is just that, deadly. Forms and legalities and ways and minutiae. But the reality is truly wonderful. And it's found in Jesus Christ. And keep him clear. Keep him clear. Jesus was able to heal everyone who came to him. So you this morning, you have a spiritual condition. It's called sin. You have many manifestations. It could be an addiction. It could be a besetting sin that just gets you time and time again. Uh, it could be some preoccupation. It could be some thought processes. Sin manifests itself in many ways. A relationship that's in real difficulty. Oh, so many manifestations. But the root cause is always the same. It's called sin. Do you have this issue? Come, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus Christ and bow down before him. Own him as your Lord and your master. Repent of what you are and what you've done. And he is able to treat your condition. And uh, for we who are Christians, let's, let's bring our friends to him. And if they won't come physically to the building, let's bring them to the great physician in prayer. Let's tell Jesus Christ about them. Oh, he's the great general practitioner. A little rider on this section, verse 41. Something quite striking here. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. They'd seen him before. They'd seen him in the realms of glory when they fell. They knew who he was. It wasn't just his physical appearance because... Uh, it's the reality of who he is that they recognize. They're encountering that holy one of God, as one demon uh, puts it. He wouldn't allow them to speak. They knew who he was. So here's the point. The horror of knowledge without faith. James inspired to, to write, you believe there is one God. You do well. Demons believe that, but they tremble and cringe. Devils fear and fly. Now, you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Have you repented of what you are and what you've done? Have you bowed before him and asked his forgiveness? If you haven't done that, your knowledge is a horrific thing. True knowledge without faith is a horrific situation to be in. Now, our final point this morning, verses 42 to 44, the great priority of Jesus Christ. And when it was day, verse 42, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people, come out from Capernaum, they sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. This is wonderful. Could we set up a surgery for you in Capernaum and put your name over the door? And uh, wow, what, how much? Don't leave us. We've seen what you can do. This is marvelous. This is, this is wonderful. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent 
for this purpose. Now, Jesus Christ did wonderful miracles, physical miracles, out of compassion for human suffering and also as a great declaration of his power and his person. But the central reason for him coming was to preach the good news, to live out the good news, and to become that eternal sacrifice for sinners. Pivotal point in the Gospel of Mark. The Son of Man did not come to, serve, to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The priority of Jesus Christ was to declare the Gospel. He is the Gospel. He's the great I am. So many I ams, not that is, not they are, not that is the way. I am. It's me. I am the way. And this morning and throughout the whole world, the greatest priority is to preach the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. His priority is preaching. His parish is the world. And we're so thankful that the gospel came to St. Melons and we pick up the torch and we share the gospel with others as well, with our lives and with our lips. So here this morning, as we come to a conclusion, here we are in St. Melons. We've heard the gospel. We're hearing the words of Jesus Christ. We are reflecting upon it. Are we going to respond to it? Maybe, I don't know what part of the service was helpful to you or which part of the sermon, different to different people, may the Spirit use it. Have you got that spiritual call? Don't despair. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Any more than it means you're dying if you've got even the flu. No, you come through. You come through. If you've got that spiritual cold, you just need to hear a word from Jesus Christ. And immediately... You can be up and about and fully focused, serving him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this brief time in your word. Thank you for the wonders that the Lord Jesus Christ performed. Thank you for his compassion on Peter's mother-in-law, so quietly and so gently. We pray, Lord, that you might have compassion or many perhaps here this morning or listening online or listening to recordings of this service who will have that spiritual call. We pray a word from the Lord Jesus Christ would restore them to spiritual vigor, reading your word, praying, seeking the Lord, looking to live to his glory. To God be the glory, we pray.